I'm Dr. Kimberly Manning. And this is Dr. Ashley McMullen. And you're listening to the Human Doctor Podcast, where we explore the human side of medicine, along with teaching, living, learning, and all things in between. Using the power of storytelling, conversation, and connectedness. Hey, we're two dope academic internal medicine doctors, but we ain't your doctors. So if you perceive anything we say here as medical advice, no, it ain't that. Also, the things we say, they only reflect our brilliant black woman magic mind and not our employers. You could have been anywhere, y'all, but you chose to be here with us and we appreciate you. Let's Let's go. go. What's up, Ashley? What's up, Kimberly? I saw that you are in LA with family. I am. Which is exciting. It's nice to have you in the same time zone for once. I know, I know. I am about to be hurting with a capital H when I return to Atlanta, Georgia. <laughs> Let's be very clear because I'm going to get, I get back and immediately start wards Ooh. as a ward attending. Yikes. And you know, I got all that July magic going on. So mm. wow. Well, I'm going to pray for you, girl. <laughs> it's an exciting time. I always, um, I'm, I'm almost always on service in July and, mm. um, yeah, I like the I like the energy. And I also I can't stand when people say that, like, oh, be careful if you get sick in July. Yeah. I'm like, you know what? The most meticulous, most careful, mm-hmm. most highly in tune people ever are on service in July. The best residents, interns are like bright eyed and bushy tailed. Absolutely. You better watch out come like <laughs> November, December when exactly. people are burnt out, tired, <laughs> flexing, think they know everything. Nah. <laughs> and I have mad respect for the attendings who are on in July. Like those are the ones who I really, really appreciated early on in my training. Yeah. See, there you go. Shout out to us. Yes. Them, them July bosses. Absolutely. <laughs> Is there anything you learned during these last few days? Well, um, since I am squarely in the middle of diastole, mm-hmm. um, what I have not done is looked at, read, or thought about anything medical. Yes. And I do highly recommend that to other people while they get me vacation on. Mm-hmm. Um, so what I learned um, is a party trick. Okay. You ready? Ready? You ready? Let, to- let, let's hear it. No, I'm ready. And guess what? It's a party trick even for people that do not drink. It's a party trick even for people who are like, vegan or like all, all the things like, and if you drink, you know, you can make something with it. So check this out. <laughs> so there is this brand of apple juice. Now, if you cheap, like I was in residency and remain to this day, you probably don't even know what this is, but it's called Martinelli's. So it's not Mott's. <laughs> it ain't Mott's. Okay. It is not Mott's and it is not the, um, the Publix brand, but Martinelli's, there's a few of them. There's one that's like a a sparkling version, not this one. I'm talking about the little round one that looks like a little, almost like a little apple. Mm -hmm. It comes in glass bottles, but also comes in this plastic bottle. And here's what I learned last night from my 16 year old son, (laughs) that if you take a Martinelli's plastic apple bottle and you turn the bottle sideways and bite it, yes, bite the, bite the, bite Bite the the plastic. It has the sound of somebody biting an apple. And because you probably don't believe me, I'm no, going to play it. Wait. I sure don't. There's my son. Yeah. Can you hear that? Oh, my God. <laughs> See that? Yes. Wow. Listen, I would say don't try this at home, but I no, do try this at home. But, but what I think you should do is 
just put it in your bag. Mm-hmm. If you're in a resident lounge, if you're you know somewhere chilling and the, and the party is boring, ain't nobody talking about nothing. <laughs> just pull out the Martinelli's plastic bottle and act like you bit an apple. Or like you could like gaslight somebody and keep mm-hmm. making the sound and then put the bottle away. <laughs> and they keep thinking of apple. <laughs> <laughs> well, first of all, I see you've thought this through for your next uh, oh, yeah. next gathering. And you oh, know I'm sure. going to go down the street and find a bottle of Martinelli's immediately yeah. after this call. Yes. And I do want you to know that I, I was not paid by Martinelli's <laughs> for this shout out. Nor were, was the Human Doctor podcast. Right. We'll, <laughs> we'll be looking for that sponsorship later on. <laughs> That's what's up. What'd you learn? Well, ironically enough, I was also on vacation back in Houston these past seven or eight days. Okay. Adhering to your mantra, did not learn or do anything medicine related, which shout out to my amazing nurse practitioners at the VA for covering my inbox and taking care of all my patient related stuff so I can fully disengage while I was at home, which was excellent. You know what? That's I just dope. thought of something um, based on what you just said. You said shout out to my nurse practitioners. Mm. And, and, and the reason why I, I, I bring up this is that something came up on social media this week about the use of the word my oh, as it relates to um, students, residents and everything. And um, and my, my thought on the word my is that my can be ownership, but it mm. can also be relational. Yeah. Right. And I, I, when I hear the word my, as it relates to um, an interprofessional team member, I think of the relational aspect of it. Mm-hmm. And I just wonder, what, what do you think about that? You know, just first pass, if someone says, my student, my resident, my mm-hmm. nurse practitioner. Thoughts? Yeah. I mean, my first pass is, is definitely in the relational category because it's bi-directional, right? Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's, it's my attending, it's my team. But, you know, when you bring that up, I actually wonder, like, what, like, how my nurse practitioners, and of course, I'm using that, that possessive pronoun again, but I wonder what they yeah. would think, because it just feels so pervasive within medical yeah. training. Yeah. I mean, we want to do what's affirming, right? Right. Um, and I will say that there were many people who chimed in um, mm-hmm. on, on this particular thread um, that, that felt like the same thing that we're saying, like, oh, no, it's, it's, it's something that we're all in together. I you are my attending. I am, you know, but, but I guess at the end of the day, I, my thinking is that it comes down to h- how um, we make each other feel. Mm-hmm. Right. So it probably feels possessive if I treat you like you are property oh, or yeah. like, or like, or I send you to do the things that are beneath me. My resident will do that. Yeah. Um, uh, but but there was a there was a very loving tone to the way that you refer to the the nurse practitioners with whom you work. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I I just thought about that and I thought maybe some of our listeners I would love to for, to hear what they think about it too. Absolutely, yeah. I might pitch this to uh, to the team with which I work. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> then you got to get all your language together. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Is there a people first version of? my mm-hmm. <laughs> with whom I work yeah yeah we'll see there well, thanks go. thanks for bringing that up well sis um as you look well rested and relaxed <laughs> in the sunny southern California I which know. you know if you wanted to stay out here I don't think anybody would yeah. would be upset if you wanted to just come back to your roots in the west coast 
I know as I sit here chilling in an apartheid museum t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you oh, look well. great. Appreciate you. Appreciate you. Well, do you have a, a story this oh. morning that you want to share with our listeners? I have a story that I want to share, not just with our listeners, but with my friend and sister, the Ashley McMullen. Yes. And I have a what today. Okay. What's, what's the what? The what is competition. Ooh, okay. Competition. What comes to mind when somebody says competition to you? Man, I'm ready to stunt, ready to show (laughs) out. Like, you know, I have a feeling you're about to share a very good lesson around it. Well, you know, just in time for the um, Olympic Games. So exactly. there you go. And the finals. Look. All right. So um, let me see. We, go, we, we, love a, we love a good throwback. So mm-hmm. we're going to go back to my residency. At this point, I was a, I think a second year resident. Okay. And I was working with this co-resident and um, it was, I think it was the ICU. So there were like three or four people at my level who were, you know, PGY2 level and we were all uh, rotating with some great attendings mm-hmm. and there was a lot of Socratic teaching going on in there. You know, a lot of questions, a lot of, you know, what do you think about this? A lot of defending your management and mm-hmm. all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Stakes were pretty high. And there was a woman who was on my team who did not hit my like button at all. Okay. okay. I was not feeling her. And, and here's why. She was a person who, whenever we were on the service, um, she would be, she was like a fast buzzer hitter. Yeah. She always was the one to um, answer a question first. And she would answer questions with this sort of lazy confidence. And I say lazy, meaning like it just effortless, whatever, yeah, you know, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> no, I thought that, and she, and she spoke to um, our attendings um, with whom she shared race with this sort of. I don't know, this familiarity and this way that just seemed like she was their peer. Yeah. Sounds, and sounds a lot like a gunner. Yeah. You know, we, we, we would call her a gunner and, and people sort of would, would say not flattering things about her mm. behind her back and okay. I wouldn't stop them. Mm. And if anything, I would probably a part of it. So there was a particular day that stands out we were rounding and um, I was post-call and there was a patient who had been admitted um, who had, who appeared to have some type of volume overload mm-hmm. and uh, the patient had been transfused and attending was talking to me about what I thought um, it could be. And I was telling my attending that I thought it was trolley or um, transfusion related mm-hmm. acute lung injury. Is that yeah. what it is? Yeah. I'm, I'm glad you remember. Yeah. So yeah. as my attending was talking, he's like, well, what else is in your differential diagnosis? And, and, I, and I really remember this well. And I was like, well, you know, other things it could be would be, you know, that transfusion associated cardiac overload, that taco thing. Mm-hmm. And it was a very sort of collegial team. Everybody would sort of talk. And, 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 and as we were talking, mm-hmm. she looks at the attending, she goes, you know, I don't know, this, 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 you know, as I think about this, this doesn't really, this, this fits more of a taco picture. And she kind of started to, she named a couple studies and talked about some things that made her think it was transfusion associated cardiac overload, taco. Mm-hmm. And, you know, my attending began talking to her and they began having a conversation about my patient. Mm. 
And um, I was 38 hot, man. I was just looking, I was tired. I was post-call. Um, can't remember all the details of what I said to shut down the situation, but it was, it was related to blood pressure because when you have the, the cardiac overload, you have a massive upswing in your blood pressure. And I remember that when I was arguing with her, mm-hmm. it was that my patient was not massively hypertensive. Um, the patient was hypotensive and I kind of snapped at her and was like, you think I didn't read about or think about this beforehand? And she was just like, well, no, I was just kind of thinking about it too. And I was like, well, so my attending kind of moves us on and we just kind of carry on. And of course the rest of my near peers came to me and said, oh my God, I can't believe she did that. Blah, blah, blah. So we kind of, we trash her Mm. and together away from her behind her back. Yeah. Um, And, you know, it would be nice on this podcast just to tell you about all these stories of how I was awesome. Yes. And how I was so like, you know, kind to everybody. And, you know, that's why they picked me to be chief resident. Mm -hmm. But no. um, (laughs) And to be clear, there were some things that this this young lady did that um, probably would have been socially um, better if she had made made other choices. Absolutely. And can I can I clarify one thing? Just to, yes, please. You guys were in the same class. We were in the same class. Okay. We yeah. Were peers. We were. She was not senior to me. We were in the same class. Yeah. I, I can recall feeling some type of way when someone of your same class comments on your patients during rounds. Yeah. Because rounds is, you know, it's kind of like the performative aspect of medicine. It's like someone yep. reading your lines for you. Yep. Yep. Somebody reading your lines for you and trying to read them better. Yeah. So I've been reflecting on that time. Mm-hmm. And when I was in my 20s, when that happened, all I thought about was that the problem was her. Mm. I thought, you know, she she's cutthroat. She's a gunner. She's not collegial. She's not a good colleague to have. I wouldn't want to be on a, no, any other team with her, but she was also the only other woman on my team. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I started asking myself, well, why was I so unforgiving of her? What was the real deal there? What, what was the, what was at play? And, and as I reflect on it, I think there was more at play than what I thought originally. Mm. She was smart. Yeah. She worked very hard. She used to read a lot. She was intellectually curious. Um, She was very good with patients. Nurses loved her. She could run a code with two hands behind her back and a blindfold on. She was dope. As a doctor, if you fall out, she was the person you wanted near her. Mm. But on rounds, I felt threatened by her. And in a lot of clinical spaces, I felt threatened by her. Um, And um, I think about now, like, what if everything she did had been done, but she was a tall, attractive man. Mm. And, and I say tall, attractive man for a reason, right? Because I do think that um, beyond just race and stuff like that, there are other things that cause us to have bias too, right? Like Absolutely. sort of aesthetically, if somebody is pleasing to the eye right. and Charismatic. they have, you know, yep, yep. So if, if all of her features were packaged into somebody else, mm-hmm. um, I don't know that I would have perceived it that way. If anything, I would have perceived her as probably awesome. She's awesome. Man, she is so tight. Man, she is on her stuff. Man, she's on fire. Um, but instead, you know, we did the thing that 
that happens to women all the time, yes. you know, the B word, um, you know, all these unflattering words to describe what she was doing and, and, and perhaps our, our ugly behavior toward her, right. Mm-hmm. It perhaps did not make her feel psychologically safe. So the thing that she had, the thing that she had that she knew she had was that she was a hard worker. She was smart and she knew how to take care of patients. Mm. So when it came time to do that, she did it with zeal and she did not do it in collaborative ways, but it was because we didn't collaborate back. And that, that, that had to do more with my own insecurity. And and after that day on rounds, um, she came over to me and was talking to me like nothing had happened. And I was like, you know what? I'm tired. I just, can you like not talk to me right now? I just need to do my work and get up out of here. And she was like, gosh, you don't have to be, you know, so rude about it. And I was just like, you know, what, what is your deal? Like you, you basically come on rounds and you are constantly looking for ways to, to one up people. And she started crying. And in my exhaustion and in my own insecurity um, and in my own lack of empathy in that time, um, I was not, I, I did not meet that with kindness. I wasn't like, I'm sorry, you know, are you okay? I was just like the eyebrows raised, the tiny head shake and just kept writing my notes, writing them because I'm old, I'm just writing notes. <laughs> like with, the <clears throat> with an ink pen, wow. with a ballpoint pen, girl. And um, I was just like, man, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm sorry you're crying and everything, but like, you know, I just, I, I, I really like need you to get away from me. Right wow. Now. See, that's hard to picture, but you know, I get it, man. But like, what if I could go back yeah. to that time? What if instead of um, acting like I was in competition with her, what if I thought about us as around a campfire and in the middle of the fire is our patient that we are trying to save in an ICU. Mm-hmm. What if I thought about her, her very good talk points and probing as something that was meant to help us take better care of our patients? Mm. What if I thought of her as um, somebody who was there to um, be an inspiration to me as yeah. a fellow woman, right? Mm-hmm. Um, instead of all these other things. And what if I had just met her with the grace that I would have extended to somebody who historically gets to win in situations like that. And, and, and at that time, that was cis, het, attractive, tall, white men. Yeah. Right. Um, and, and she was none of those things. And so, if, so if I, if I could go back, you know, I think I would have really been looking more at myself yeah. and thinking here is somebody who is really talented and who could really do a lot for our team. Um, What can I do in this situation that might um, turn the ship in a different direction? Cause I didn't do anything to help. I didn't, I didn't. And what, and what if my behavior back then as somebody who was considered a leader in my program and who was Mm well-liked, what if, what if my sort of, declaration of her as somebody as that wasn't cool what what did what could that have done to her Absolutely. you know how did she feel what was she even crying about was she crying because I was mean to her that day in that moment or was she just crying because the entire month was stressful for her and she didn't feel seen and I don't know yeah but we all know 
that when people are, 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 are threatened and when they are flying on one wing, they do stuff socially that is not cool. Absolutely. I think right. if, if folks in those situations reach for whatever power they have. Yep. And sometimes, you know, it, it, it presents in a way that it feels like they're flexing. Yep. But really yep. it's, it's, it's protective. Yep. And I, I think about that too, like, especially folks who come from academic institutions who are used to training in that environment and going somewhere where that type of behavior is unexpected, it comes off as yep. really, really contentious. Yep. Yep. And rude, yeah. like, mm-hmm. right. And, and you think, you think it's personal, but it's not personal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Right. Like we, it's funny because that, because, you know, as an attending physician now, right. When I see learners come into a space and they are, they are doing something mm-hmm. that is, that, that, that really will cause them to be misunderstood. Now I, I try to ask myself, what is it that I can do to this climate mm-hmm. that might cause this person to not have to, to do this thing? Yeah, I blogged about it years ago um, and it was, it was called Let There Be Light. It was really about the fact that we have a lot of control over how to bring out the best in people. I had that power as a, as a senior resident and as a co-resident. Yeah. Um, and I, cre- I made it a competition when maybe it wasn't. And maybe she was forced to compete because she couldn't figure out how to fit in anywhere else. I think women in particular yeah. have to be very, very careful with how we assign value for particular traits. Mm-hmm. I do think we also need to appreciate the power that we have to let people shine. Yeah. Especially people who, who look like us. A word, sis. You know? Yeah. I'm still <laughs> reflecting on you clapping back at this woman on rounds. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't make her cry on rounds, Ashley. It was after when I was writing my note postcard. She came over to me trying to talk to me about pierogies and stuff. I was like, yo, don't talk to me. But I was mean. Yeah. I was mean. And I'm not proud of that. And I that's one of the things I hope we 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 will do here too is you know, show our clay feet to people. And a lot of those same insecurities that were inside of me in, you know, 1998. They're still in there, mm-hmm. but I'm older and I'm wiser now. And I'm out here trying, if I see somebody standing in my space and we, and we look alike and we share the same gender, I'm trying to help you win. Yeah. And, and if I find myself in a situation where I'm feeling threatened by you, I, I, I cannot start with you. I have to start with me. Mm. And you cannot threaten me unless I allow you to, and Absolutely. not in that space. Now you can threaten me like in a really scary way, but <laughs> <laughs> put a lot of like a, something scary to threaten me. But, but yeah, in an, in a clinical space, you cannot threaten me unless I let you. Now that's something I w- wish I would have learned early on. And it's something I definitely want to reemphasize to any of our listeners who might be starting on wards, especially in, in July as, as newly minted doctors you've made it this far. You are enough. You're not in competition. You deserve to be there. Well, one of the things I don't always feel deserving of is your friendship. <laughs> um, I'm, so, I'm so appreciative. I'm so appreciative, man. And I just, you know, want to just say, you know, you, you're a friend I didn't even know I needed, man. 
I didn't even, I didn't even see this coming. I just thought I was coming to UCSF to say what's up to Gurpreet Dhaliwal, big up my um, CV, <laughs> try to get promoted. You know, I didn't think that I was going to get a friend out of this thing. Man, if I could tell you how many times I've told that story to everybody in my family and they're like wondering who I'm spending all this time talking to. Um, <laughs> it's, it's a beautiful thing. And I'm so eternally grateful to you for taking the time to hang out with me. Well, right on, sis. Um, I'm still on vacation. So like, while I do love you, mm-hmm. I also love this um, Southern California, Southern California, not Northern. Right. Thank you for, you know, <laughs> continuing to make that distinction. Weather that awaits me, sister. Hey, well, you definitely deserve all the rest. So. All right. Appreciate you. All right, sis. Have a good okay. one. Love you. Love you too. Bye. That wraps up this week's episode of the Human Doctor Podcast. Special thanks to our favorite brother gastroenterologist, Dr. Chuma Obiname for the beats. Shout out to the Dr. Ashley McMullen for editing and production. Mad love to our podcast family at The Nocturnist and the Clinical Problem Solvers, our med Twitter fam. And especially shout out to all of you, our listeners. Until next week, remember, we see you and you are enough. Holla! Holla.